Hey boy, gonna go play some Blood Bowl. Hello and welcome to Dice Like Ice, episode number 19. I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the Emmett Smith to my Troy Aikman, Andrew Mitchell. I know these names, Do but I'm you? not recalling where they're from. Oh, back-to-back uh, Super Bowl champion Cowboys in the 90s. Okay, yeah, I do actually, I, I remember <laughs> those names from some far-flung corner of my mind. I have heard of them. <laughs> But yes, I would not have actually been able to recall that they were football men. Yeah, well, I figured I figured the '90s you might have gotten enough football just because of where you were raised. Yeah, I mean there was a little bit, but uh, yeah, not not enough to really remember that. I I did have a couple of Maddens on the Xbox, so maybe that's where I remember their names from. Oh, okay, that's fair. Because uh, when I got, I had the original Xbox as a kid, and the only way we convinced my parents to get it for us for Christmas was it was uh, both my and my brother's Christmas gift, uh, and it was also our first DVD player in the household. So they're like, "All right, that's enough of a combo of things we can afford to get it." <laughs> and then the only game they got with it was Madden, and it's like, "Ah, fuck, we're not gonna get another game until one of our birthdays." God damn it! So <laughs> I just had to play Madden for like six months. It was <laughs> oh, it's still you know. a fun game. Yeah, I mean, we had fun. That was also back when you could make fucking super mutants and you could raise everybody's stats to 10 and they were just like these giant balloon men because their muscles were so huge. Oh, yeah. that, that part was pretty great. No, there's few things better than doing a franchise game and doing shit like that. It was hilarious. Although, no Madden will ever be NFL Blitz on I was, Nintendo 64. I was about to say, it's up there with NFL Blitz and NBA Street. God, I loved NFL Blitz. That game was fucking hysterical. I give less than zero fucks about basketball, but if somebody was like, hey, I got an old arcade cabinet of NBA Street, you in? I would push a motherfucker out of my way to play that shit. How was it? They had um, NBA Jam on the original mm-hmm. Xbox and the PlayStation 2 as well. That was that was a very solid arcade sports game. I don't know why we're talking about sports <laughs> games. This is ostensibly an, uh, a Warhammer podcast. Yeah, but it's going to be a Blood Bowl episode. <laughs> sports all right we like sports and we don't care who knows well that makes one of us i actually like sports a lot in I fact have i have football on muted in the background because one of my players is playing in our fantasy league and if ezekiel elliott doesn't get me seven fucking points i'm probably gonna freak the fuck out well before you freak the fuck out how about you have a, a nice cool draft of our oh, oh, one of our right, sponsors right. tony i got it <laughs> You gave me enough of a segue to scramble and get to it. Well, today, as always, we are sponsored by Grip and Rip. I had a, a, a bottle. bottle? Okay, time. I was like, that didn't sound like a can. Yeah, no, it was it was a very gentle tink. I made sure to do it in front of the microphone, but uh, you know, it's you don't get quite as much of a uh, an audio sensational thing going on whenever it comes to a bottle. That's true, unless hang you on. explode the bottle. Uh, ha- um, hang on, let me. I can I can make a good rattly noise real quick. Are you gonna drop the lid or the cap? Yep, yep. Dropped it on my my coaster. <laughs> See, Andrew, that's why you need the classic college giant glass jar full of bottle caps. You can throw it into. Yeah, but I'm not in my 20s anymore, so... Yeah, it would kill us now. Exactly. But anyway, what are we drinking today, Tony? Well, uh, I've got a Sweetwater Broken Coast BC Lager. It's just a little 5-5. I have to take a med for my leg, so uh, I'm going with a lighter alcohol to take my medicine with. Oh, good. 
Uh, it's any, not a great beer. It's one? not a bad or beer. Just, it's just, just, it's a beer. just kind of a beer. It's just kind of a beer. Do you want me to read the blurb on the back? Those are always fun. Uh, sure, go ahead. A collaboration with our BC Bugs. Our first voyage out of the gate with our new friends out at Broken Coast. This 5.5 ABV lager is inspired by the high-quality, high-grade BC green and lifestyle and features flavor and aroma notes of key lime pie and orange zest for a truly unique tasty and refreshing coastal brew they put that was a weirdly like phrased sentence i was gonna say that that blurb went on for at least two sentences longer than i expected well here's the thing that was one sentence there's not even oh, a Jesus. semicolon in that bitch that might be a run-on I, I ain't a grammarist though so i don't know for sure inspired by the high quality comma high-grade BC green and a lifestyle and features flavor and aroma notes. It's like, bro, yeah, quit using and. Oh, yeah, and key lime pie and orange zest for a truly unique, tasty, and refreshing coastal brew. God damn, yeah, we definitely, guys. We invented the comma for a reason. <laughs> oh, uh, Hey, how can we get the word count? I don't know. Drop the commas and just add and a bunch. Yeah, it definitely feels like when I was in like fifth or sixth grade trying to write a paper and I didn't really know how to write yet. And it's like, I'll just keep this going. That's how sentence structure works. <laughs> it is in Georgia public school. Hey, boy. What about you, Andrew? What you drinking? Well, we're keeping it spooky since uh, we're just about at Halloween time. Uh, it's not an atomic pumpkin this time. I did find some other ones that sounded kind of fun. Is it uh, Joro one... spider ale? Oh, God, I've killed about a fucking three dozen of those bastards already. It is the uh, only species I am okay with genocide against. For those of you that don't know, Joro spider is an invasive species of orb spinner or orb weaver, orb weaver, orb spinner, uh, orb, weaver, orb right? weaver, yeah, orb weaver spider from I believe Korea's so that that area. It's it's an Asian spider for sure. Um, who fucking knows how it got to Georgia? But they're everywhere and they're invasive and horrible and their uh, webs are strong enough to kill birds. So mm-hmm. if you see a Joro spider, fucking murder it. It's a really beautiful spider, but it's well, a piece of really, shit. It has this really cool, like, golden web, too. It actually is really pretty, but uh, it just... Fun fact, fucking... the web is golden because the web is actually getting dirty and going bad, and it doesn't maintain it. It doesn't clean up after its goddamn self. Fuck it. Well, fucking goblin of a spider, then. Jeez. Well, anyway, murder Joros. Yeah. But uh, to keep it in spooky season with all of my spiders, uh, I picked up an Elysian Brewings Dark of the Moon Pumpkin Stout. Ooh. Yeah, it's got a uh, picture of a werewolf on the front, uh, and it is a stout brood. Oh, sorry, here's the blurb. Way shorter than yours. <laughs> That's uh, not hard. Dark of the Moon Pumpkin Stout is spookily smooth and chocolatey with a touch of cinnamon. So let's give it a swig. Did, did you drown? No, I'm just okay. I'm enjoying, the, I'm enjoying <laughs> the flavor notes. It's like, oh, God. It that is him. actually... That's a shockingly good stout. Like, it's it's not to the point where it's a full-blown milkshake like some stouts are. There is a hint of pumpkin, you but there's enough chocolate. Yeah, there's enough chocolate and cinnamon to kind of balance out the sometimes overwhelming pumpkin-y flavor that things like this can get. That's actually pretty good. I like that. I Elysian know. Brewing. Oh, man. So, before we get too deep into our episode, I do have one announcement. Uh, oh. I got a message from one of our listeners. Oh. Uh, from a listener named Tracy. And it's a message to her son, Connor, and it is, Connor, give us money and support our Patreon because your mother said so. Well, thank you very much, Tracy. We appreciate getting more money. (laughs) So, Connor, I expect you to subscribe to our Patreon uh, by the next time I see you. Yeah, 
Yeah, you. Do that. <laughs> He's part of a local gaming group. Ah, okay. Oh, uh, I think you've met him before. He's like the uh, seven and a half foot tall ginger giant. I actually don't remember a seven and a oh. half foot tall ginger giant. So either my memory is getting way worse as I get older or I haven't met him. The fear kicked in and you just forgot. Entirely possible. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, Andrew, uh, what kind of hobby you been working on since uh, since we got back from the noves? Oh, well, I have been doing some painting for sure. Um, so, hobby progress. Uh, I did paint up my uh, Centroid, uh, what the hell is it called? Centroid Marshal for Warcry, the cool uh, four-armed gladiator centaur guy. Um, really happy with how that guy turned out. I, uh, I actually took uh, Danielle's advice on how to paint him uh, and went with kind of like a, a dark red on the skin and then kind of like a really dark gray for the... the horsey part of the centaur um and felt the like technical term out. yeah the horsey part i felt like it turned out really well yeah, uh he has a big uh ass. like he has like the chaos star brand in, in the middle of his chest and to kind of keep it in theme with a lot of the rest of my uh, uh, uh slaves of darkness stuff i've been doing i kind of made it look like it was kind of also made out of molten uh rock kind of like bellicor and pretty much anybody else i have who has kind of brands like that just to sort of tie it together. Uh, he is almost done. I still have to do a little bit of work on his base because doing a lava scheme is uh, kind of a pain in the ass. Um, you don't so, say. Yeah, shocking that. I might have to simplify that if I go more whole hog into uh, Slaves of Darkness. Um, <coughs> my turn. Um, yeah, I know. It's kicking back early today. Yeah, geez. A lot of fun, fun burps to edit out. Uh, after that, I started work on the Forge World Blood Bowl troll that I got while I was at Nova. Uh, completely done with him, did the basing and everything. P Rim is painted black, he is done. Uh, I also went with kind of a, uh, a, a dark red on that guy as well. I was just in a mood, I guess. Um, I also don't paint trolls like that very often. They tend to be like purples or, uh, kind of like stony fleshy sort of color so this one was uh, i wanted to, to stick out uh, a lot compared to my other blood bowl troll who i did in kind of a grayscale sort of thing very light gray skin on that guy um just a lot of fun just a nice you know fun pale belly i uh, i went pretty hard on painting the uh, the ogre leg that he has in his hand so it looks mm. properly gory and gross it was just it's a fun model to paint for sure uh really really good sculpt on that one too that was uh i don't know if that's when they got into digital sculpting or not but uh if not it was like on the tail end of the hand sculpting and it was very well done uh there kind of one on... thing that bothers me about that model what's that it's on a fucking 40 millimeter base. Yeah, I don't know who okayed that. Um, the other one's on a 32. And since it's yeah. on a 40, it's fucking huge. Yeah, and it's not like it's special rules or anything. It just counts as a Blood Bowl troll as far as I'm aware. So it's because the, the Blood Bowl spaces, they're, they're, it's, it's on a grid. The spaces stay the same and the base size is roughly supposed to fit in that. The 40 mil kind of overlaps it, which is kind of weird depending on what team you're playing on. It can kind of make the grid system a little crowded, but uh, Especially if he's up against that, another big one. Oh, God, yeah. If he goes against another troll his size or an ogre or something, that gets very silly. But uh, speaking of ogres, uh, I also painted up a star player, Morgan Thorg, who is like the premier oh, ogre. Right super super expensive in game uh he's like almost four hundred thousand gold or something ridiculous um yeah no he's really pricey he's really good though um little bit on the chunky side as far as a sculpt goes it's definitely a little little uh 
uh, you can tell he was still sculpted with a toothpick, <laughs> but it, it, it lent it a, a nice charm for sure. I, I had a lot of fun painting him as well. Um, just kind of a, 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 a nice uh, stop from all the other monsters I was doing, just kind of like basic human flesh and such, even though he was an ogre. A little bit of blood effects on his, his punching dagger, and, you know, he's, he's, he's just a fun, quick one to paint up. I did him in, like, two days. Nothing too crazy. Um, something that took a little bit more than two days, though, because it has been a bit since we last recorded. I, apart from the base, completely finished my Chaos Knight Abominant, all weapon attachments included, because they're all magnetized, so I can swap them out as needed. Uh, continuing with my House Herpetrax theme, so a lot of very bright greens, blacks, green. bone color. Yeah, it's, it pops a lot. It's actually, um, pretty close to the same kind of greens I use for my orc skin tones, but, yeah. uh... You just can't really tell because it's all on a roughly flat surface and the orcs all have, you know, cre creases and folds and, and more layering and such. But um, I, I really liked painting this the, these guys because I uh, used to play Death Guard and my first inclination when I see power armor or armored vehicle stuff is just to go fucking wild on the weathering so I can hide any potentially bad uh, paint jobs. Whereas with this, I'm like, no, these guys are just going to be like slightly beaten and old looking, but I'm not going to go crazy with the typhus corrosion or anything. I have to actually try and get in the lines. So that was... Uh, kind of a thing especially considering there's a lot of quartering on this guy uh both the shoulder pads have quarters the uh the loincloth is split in half for colors both of the, the thigh and shin guards are split in half so I'm alternating between black and bone so i have to actually really stay neat with the lines otherwise there's a lot of work to go back and fix everything so that was uh that was a thing but we did it we got there we're done with it I uh, still got one more waiting in the wings, but I'm currently taking a break on that one to finally get to painting those goofy, wonderfully silly 90s metal dwarf models that I picked Beautiful. up for uh, for use in Frostgrave. Just such hilariously silly sculpts, especially that crossbow guy whose face is like a, a three-fourths the size of his body. I don't know what went wild with that one, but he's he's got character, we'll put it that way. So I'll say they're probably about... <laughs> That is the know. nicest way you could put that. He's He's got character. Uh, I can't wait they're, for they're, the first time I kill him and to go, hey, why the long face? But dumb tish. <laughs> um, and I just started them. Other than the tree man, which I have about pretty much finished. The rest of them are at maybe like a fourth of the way done. Um, and then the last thing I did, because purchases count, I did buy the Leagues of Votan starter set. Um I know they are currently uh, reviled because their rules are, as far as I can tell, kind of broken. broken but by the time, fuck. by the time I actually get my box, build them, and paint them to the degree I want to, uh, they'll probably be FAQ'd into oblivion, meaning that they'll only be kind of winning everything instead of completely stomping everybody. So uh, I'm not too worried about that, especially because I don't play competitive. So you know, fucking who cares? Um, so. Those came out on Saturday, and I'm still waiting for mine to get shipped. So by the time this is released, probably have that box and might have some of them built. But uh, otherwise, yeah, that is all of my hubby progress. How about you, Tony? So I didn't do nearly as much painting as you, but I did a good chunk of building. So the first thing is I got my Snotling team in, built all of those guys up built the plastic troll that came with the old orc team uh also got in that forge world troll and got him built up uh i know you're doing the uh the like red scheme on yours i also wanted to do fun colors on mine so i've got one of my trolls base coated with some purples uh so he is going to be the troll barnabas i believe 
Barnabas the Dino Troll. Is that a reference? Oh, uh, Barney the Dinosaur. Ah, okay. Just Barnabas the Dino Troll. Yeah, why not? Uh, sure. I, I think the other one I might go really bright yellow with. Yellow would be fun. Yeah. That's not one I see with trolls very yeah, often. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't see like bright purple a whole lot either. You see like grayish purple. With uh, the next thing I started working on is I got the into the dark kill team box. And I built the mountain of plastic that came in it. God, that's uh, so much plastic. It's so much, and it was so gratifying to build, too, man. So I got all the walls built, all the hatchways built, all the columns, all the barricades, all the generators, everything built. Uh, I'm in the process of using... I started by using a hobby knife to trim the edges so they would fit together once they're primed. Uh, realized that was going to take forever, so broke out the Dremel with the drum sanding bit on it. And that makes really short work of it, uh, but I've got to make sure I wear my respirator, otherwise I inhale all of the plastic dust. It's just, you're getting a nice coating on your lungs for, yeah. it's, it's, you're putting on armor for other terrible <laughs> it, It'll stop the resin from sticking to my lungs. Exactly. When I build the Warhound. Uh, then I got all of that primed out in Lead Belcher. So all of it's primed, and I've been slowly working on it. I think I've got three or four of the pieces totally complete. Um, it's my excuse to go whole hog with weathering, and it's been really fun to do. So I think I've sent you pictures of them. I'm doing, like, the white as the main color, and then just going wild with... Uh, Skag Brown, Agrax, Nuln Oil, Seraphim Sepia, Reichland Flesh Shade, uh, a couple of the weirder color contrasts, and top it all off with uh, Pooh Brown Sewer Water. Yeah, this is uh, uh, white in concept only. They, they, yes. they do not stay white for long. Yeah, yeah, it is It is white to give it the background color, so when I go back through and I do some like dry brushes and some some scuffs and stuff on it where it's like scraped off. Uh, you're like, Oh, I could tell this used to be sort of a sterile looking ship interior, but, uh, it's too dirty for the interior of a ship, but it's a little cleaner than the underhive, So it'll make a nice in between for both game systems. Definitely have a very nice grungy industrial look though, by yeah, the time you're done. Exactly. Um, and you know, when the next set of, I'm hoping to have those all the way done by the time the next kill team set comes out. That way I can go ahead and get those going and just, you know, do a year worth of some cool-ass Mortalis terrain. Yeah, that's that stuff is perfect for his own Mortalis, oh, man, for sure. it really is. And uh, let alone kill team. I started building the Imperial Breachers out of it. I've only assembled, I think, two or three of those. Uh, but I did, I got the, uh, the crew kill team all built up, and uh, man, those are some cool fucking models. And they are tall. Like, they are significantly taller than a human. They're almost Primaris height. So, like, they've really got that yep. creepy, like, cannibal bird look to them. Yeah, I've been seeing uh, other people's paint schemes for them on Instagram a lot and other various social media places. And I do like them a lot more. It's, it's a problem with a lot of Games Workshop stuff. I like the model significantly more when I see someone other than Games Workshop paint them. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a weird thing, too. Well, they, I, I think a lot of it is they go with a very, like, baseline color scheme for their, like, house paint scheme. So it's the same same problem with the Leagues of Votan. I really didn't like the color scheme for that, but I'm seeing other people painting them now, and I'm going, holy shit, these models are actually really cool. Yeah, for sure. Who knows? Maybe maybe I'll like the Leagues more when I see them in a different paint scheme. That uh, Lego 
thing you posted was fucking hysterical. God, yeah, that's hilarious. For for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, someone took the schemes from all of the 90s Lego Rock Raiders sets and uh, photoshopped them onto the Leagues of OTAN. And while funny, a lot of them actually look really cool with the models. Yeah, the, the black, green, and like, it's like black, neon, green, and neon, orange. It was like, ooh. Ooh, I would play an army if it looked like that. Yeah, it'd be hard to paint, but it looks really cool. It'd be really hard to paint. Fluorescents are very hard to pull off. Well. For, for sure. Yeah, then uh, the last thing I did is I got started on my Imperial Knight army. So I've gotten one of my big knights put together that was from my old set. I've got two more big knights on sprue ready to be put together. Um... Two armagers totally done and fully magnetized with all options. And then four more armagers on sprue to fully magnetize for all their weapon options. And that'll give me my 2,000 point list. Uh, I think I've figured out my color scheme for them. Uh, the color is technically Ford's Grabber Blue is the blue color that I'm using. And then uh, I want to do a hyper matte black stripe on them. Um, and then have out the shoulder pads with, I think I'm going to go with that, uh, like dark yellow and dark red and then do silver as the metal trim, but all of the under skeleton, I'm going to do kind of like a, like a shadowy black too. So hit it with maybe lead belcher or rune fang and then go over it with like a thin down coat of, um, black Templar contrast. So it has that blackened steel look to it. I'd probably go with lead belcher then just so you don't get quite as much shine going through. Yeah. Yeah, I'll start it with Lead Belcher and do it like that and see how I like it. And then maybe hit the odd corner with some Rune Fang or something just to make it look like yeah, it's that, been scuffed. Yeah, but uh, I plan on doing the airbrush on all of these. So I've got all my paints ready for it. Uh, I've got uh, the style that I want to do. So we'll see how that turns out. And so this isn't this isn't like a specific night household. This is your own color scheme you thought it of? It is not. Yeah, it's my own color scheme I want to do. Um, I, I like the rules for House Griffin because they're a close combat night household because uh, they're space Bretonians. And if uh, the listeners know anything about me, it's I will take any opportunity to play Bretonians. I mean, yeah, if you just you, you get some dipshit in night armor and just say, here's a gun. I mean, sure, that's War, it's Warhammer 40K. Yeah, um, but I, I don't like their color scheme that much. They have a bone color scheme, and I don't know. It just, it didn't, uh, what is it? It didn't spark joy. It didn't bring me Here. joy. 40K Mary Kondo. Yeah, exactly. And then if, uh, if I paint it my own style, if I decide I don't like that play style and want to do another one, since everything's magnetized, I can freely bounce between houses. Yeah, it's the same thing I'm doing with my Votan when they get here, because I've, I've just envisioned them with a lot of gold, like uh, the shoulder pads and like the main uh, chest piece gold, and then probably black for the rest of it, and then any cloth being kind of a red. So essentially like custodian theme, but uh, less in your face with the gold. We'll, we'll yeah. see. It'll be a model-to-model thing. I'll have to play with the scheme. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty much all the hobby progress I've got done, which is a lot of building, mostly. Oh, I got in the brass rod for my uh, Warhound Titan. So nice. When you, when, you, wanna, when you're planning on starting that beast. Uh, once I finish up my Knight household, because I kind of want to go to Warzone Atlanta with the Knights. That's um, December. What? First yeah. weekend of December. Okay. Uh, I should have them all built by the end of this week, hopefully, though. Okay, cool. That's the plan. If I don't have them painted up while I'm you know, learning... Uh, I'm going to be disappointed in myself because I'll be having gray plastic on the table. But as long as I'm making progress, I will be less disappointed in myself. I mean, learning is fine with gray plastic. It's when you go to the tournament that you can't have gray plastic. No. 
I will not. If you, if anyone ever sees me at a tournament with gray plastic, get a drag me out into the parking lot, get a tire iron, and beat me to death. I was gonna say, if they see you at a tournament with gray plastic, it's because you just bought the kit from the vendor hall, so That's it doesn't fair. count. That's fair. Oh man. So Andrew, uh, games. You played any games since we've been back from Nova? Oh, uh, just the one. It's been a uh, pretty light on the gaming front here. We've had. Uh mix of uh various uh jobs and illnesses and so forth in the local group so there's not been too much gaming since we got back but uh, i'm gonna get phil a bag of fucking oranges good lord (laughs) get well soon friend um (laughs) uh uh, uh, so the only game i've had so far was game of necromunda i uh, played with my new squats against uh jeff's goliaths um bringing them in in the later half of the uh the campaign we're doing um we did the sneak attack mission, the one where uh, I challenged him for his mine works, because that's one of the two that the squats definitely want for sure, because they get the Orlock benefits of uh, bonus rep as well as bonus credits from it. Uh, and so we did the sneak attack. I had to sneak into his base and defile his uh, relic, which uh, Jeff had converted this cool thing where it's like a bunch of chains and stuff, very Goliath looking. Um uh and being a dice game i started off very strong i was nuking them left and right my i I picked up the iron head multi-melta uh and was just like everything it even looked at was just obliterated turned to ash it was it was beautiful it was vindication for a a bad first half of the campaign and then uh i sounded the alarm and jeff's guy started coming on and uh it just kind of went downhill from there because he did bottle but being Goliath, he has very good cool. So most of his guys just didn't really give a shit that his gang had like technically broken and were trying to run. And then he just kind of proceeded to run forward and kill all of my guys. And while I did technically win, uh, all but two of my guys are in recovery with serious wounds and have a bunch of negatives. And uh, holy shit, am I getting a little bit tired of Necromunda after that? <laughs> it was it was the. Uh, uh, potentially the least fun victory I've ever had. (laughs) Where it's just like, cool, I have nothing on the table and everybody is hurt. Great. I hope hope nobody challenges me because even with underdog bonuses, ain't going to be a goddamn thing I'm going to be able to do. So uh, I'm about ready to go and play some Blood Bowl or something the fuck else for a bit, I think. (laughs) That was was a a pretty rough start for those guys. That was a rough one, man. It's just, it's continuing a bad campaign for me. It's just been a bad, I don't, I, I, I mean, you witnessed my dice when we did that four-player uh, sump God. beast fight. That, that's just been me the whole campaign. So, you know, started started off strong in the first half of that game and then just got stomped. It was the long and short of it. And uh, I'm a bit ready to play Age of Sigmar or something else or, or a different specialist game. It is still 2022 year of the specialist game. So, you know, we could, we could flip-flop. But uh, that was the only match I've had. And uh, yeah, I think my blood pressure has finally gone down a bit from that. From that. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're okay for another one soon, I think. But uh, how about you, Tony? Have you have you had any uh, interesting games like I did? I've actually had two games. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the first one was the Frostgrave game on Monday that you bailed on a couple of weeks ago. I didn't bail, just didn't have time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Whatever excuse you need to tell yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, that one was me, Matt, and Danielle. Uh, it was Danielle's first game of Frostgrave. She uh, digs it. She built a necromancer warband. Uh, and turns out she is just as aggressive and uh, pokey as you are in that game, Andrew. Wonderful. Someone has to be the instigator. Yeah, where, where me and Matt will be like, oh, there's treasure chests. Well, you know, I'm going to get these. There's this one in the center. Uh, if you get to it first, I might fight you over it. If I get to it first, you'll probably fight me over it. She was like, that guy way over there minding his own business, fuck him. 
arrow. <laughs> that guy over there minding his own business, fucking bone dart. See, I don't go. F- I don't go for the mind in his own business, guys. It's when you start getting real close to the treasure chest that I go, "Oh, I, I want that treasure chest. I should get that." Well, I think Danielle believed that uh, three quarters of the table were her rightful domain, and anyone on that was trespassing. But we still had a, a fun one. Um, she got she got one treasure chest, and me and Matt each got uh, two of the others. It was a really interesting scenario where the center of the board was a big ass furnace. And there were these things called Coleman, and if they beat you in a fight, uh, they did a little bit of damage, but they also drug you towards the furnace. Ooh. And if they drug you into the furnace, you died. Like, not you roll a casualty on the table, your dude is dead. It's kind of hard to recover from being chucked into a furnace, I think. Yeah, a bit. Uh, luckily that didn't happen to any of us. We got close a couple of times, uh, but my, my champion... Managed to run up to a coal man, whiff, get dragged away. The coal man fought. My champion whiffed again. He got dragged even further. Uh, and then I possessed my um, my infantryman with a two-handed sword. So he got demon-possessed, charged up, and just chopped the coal man in half like it was nothing. So nice. that was pretty great. Uh, and then the other game I had was a Blood Bowl game against Trent's corn team. And I was like, oh, you know what will be really fun against corn? Snotling. Uh, and boy, was it, uh, Andrew and astute listeners, you'll remember at the slaughter day tournament in Nova, uh, every time somebody hit my guy, they broke armor and killed them. I think I had like nine casualties the first game, something like that. Yeah. This game was the opposite. Trent could not break armor to save his life. He would have like his big ass beast of gore dude, kick a snotling and roll two for armor break. Nice. Or he would just roll pushes. And I've got dodge and step aside. So stumbles and pushes. My guy's like, nope, I'm over here. Nope, I'm over here. And then to add insult to injury, uh, one of my single snotlings actually killed one of his berserkers all the way. That's that's hilarious. That's like a person managing to kill God from a snotling's <laughs> yeah, perspective. It was great. Uh, we had a blast. Uh, I don't think the ball ever went out of like... When he kicked it off, it ended up landing like four squares behind my line of scrimmage. Uh, the farthest forward it ever got was on my line of scrimmage, and the farthest back it ever went was where it was kicked off. Wow. So we had a 0-0 tie. Uh, we only played the one half because he was still learning it. We were doing some some teaching game. Uh, but I learned a valuable lesson with snotlings, and that is the opening drive, use every one of my dirty players and try and kill as many things as I can. Yeah, you, you got to get those secret weapons out early and just eliminate yeah. anybody good on his team. Like, ignore linemen. Go for the, the, the throwers. Go for the, the big guys. Anything that can be uh, a severe hampering to him if they get disappeared. Yeah, so that's a, that's a fun trick I learned. But those are the only two games that I've played. All right. Well, that's uh, hopefully we'll have more games in our future. It was a pretty lax week. I guess we are kind of uh, coming down from all the games we played at Nova, though. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's chat for a few minutes about Warcom. Some of the cool new releases coming up. Chant for a few minutes. Did I say chant. You said chant. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess you're gonna have to chant it because you said okay. Brother Tony, chant with me. Let me light my incense sticks and throw up some prayers to the God Emperor. Do you want me to just go Warcom? Warcom. In the background as you're talking about what you're talking about. Just have that on a loop in the background, very low. <laughs> oh, there we go. that's how much editing you uh, feel like doing. 
Oh, so Andrew, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, the Warcom articles that have come out recently? Well, uh, I think we'll start off with a real big one that you might be interested in as a Black Templars player for the oh, uh, the thirty yes. fifth anniversary of Warhammer Forty Thousand. Uh, they are releasing a diorama model called Bayard's Revenge or Bayard's Revenge. Bayard's he is, Revenge. He is an Emperor's Champion of the Black Templars Legion. Legion uh, chapter. <laughs> um, yeah, they're almost legion. Legion adjacent. Yeah. Um, it's a rad model. He's stabbing an orc war boss through the chest. Uh, it's just super dynamic, super cool. I've got the video playing right now. I, I do too. It is one of the coolest fucking models that GW has produced. And like it's an, they have knocked it out of the fucking park with Black Templar stuff. And it's an orc model, so I can yeah. get him and count him as a war boss. There you go. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> He's just made assassination. <laughs> Uh, yeah, th- it's like a it's like a old school Halo Reach style assassination too. Like yeah. it's just fucking brutal. Yeah, no, it's super dynamic. This is one that uh, if I had more modeling skills would be awesome to get some some blood effects and have like a spurt of blood coming out of him. Yeah, well, he's got the uh, the mud splash as he's hitting. Yeah, which like, is kind of cool. Could be turned into extra blood, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, it's just a really really cool model. Um, I'm not even sure exactly how you get it. I guess you get it from Games Workshops. Oh, no, you can get it from uh, the web store. Yeah, you can order it on the web store starting on the 8th. At the 8th. Of okay. October. Right. Uh, what's really cool about this one is it is taken out of the Hell's Reach novel. Bayard oh, cool. is the Emperor's Champion of the Grimaldus Crusade on Hell's Reach. Yeah, okay. In Hell's Reach on Armageddon. So there's just some trivia. Well, there you go. I have that audiobook. I have still not listened to it. Dude, it's so good. Yeah, I need to just sit down and listen to it during like a Saturday when I got nothing to do but paint. You really do, because it's, it's fantastic. It's got some Titan action, it's got some Orc action, it's got some Guard action, some Templars, some Sisters of Battle. It's everything good. That yeah, sounds pretty uh, in my wheelhouse. Um, it is, it is. Anything that jumped out at you after that one? Uh, yeah, since, uh, since you said something that really uh, tickled my fancy, uh, how about I do one that tickles yours a bit? And that is the new Sons of Bahamut Battle Tome. And yeah. a new fucking giant with them. Yeah. On, on top of getting our first proper named character, we're also yeah. getting a, a Beast Smasher Mega Gargant, who, uh, man, he's uh, he can potentially do a lot of damage. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. And dude, like, King Broad is fucking huge. Mm. That model whips ass. Yeah, I think he's he looks like he's built off the same set because uh, he's got the same pose as a lot of the other Mega Gargans. So I think he might just be some additional pieces, like a, a, a bonus sprue they throw him with the kit. And I imagine this guy probably comes with it as well, and they're just going to sell it for like 20 bucks more than a normal Mega Gargant kit, which uh, that's already pretty fucking pricey. Um, uh, uh, well, I'm wondering if they'll do like they did with the Knights, where they just combine it into one kit. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's every sprue to make every one. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, uh, if they did that, it it would essentially just be what I said because the previous kit came with the first three. So uh, yeah, I don't that's know. True. I guess we'll we'll find out when it comes to it. But uh, yeah, I'm real excited to get him on the board as well. He's got a really cool like uh, not a stalactite, but it's just a big fucking pointy rock that he's bashed onto mm-hmm. a stick, uh, and he does pretty solid normal mega gargant attack where it's range three inches with the club, three attacks, three to hit, two to wound, which is really good. High end changes depending on his wounds but it's a flat five damage when it hits but 
you can forego that and go with a uh do they have a fun name for it a beast breaking strike and if you do that you get one attack and it cannot be modified anyway you only get the one same profile but if you hit it does 5d6 damage against monsters so much only against monsters he's he's only got three attacks anyway with the club he'll he'll still have his kicks and his his throck throws and all that good stuff that mega gargants normally get yeah yeah but like if you're going against a monster you you might as well do that well, yeah, and if and if you're going against normal people, his normal attack. I mean, if it hits, and it'll do five damage. That'll kill. That'll up. kill pretty much anything except for any of the beefier characters. So you don't have to even worry about it. But uh, if you get, I don't know, some stormcast riding a dragon, say, and it has the monster profile, and you do this big fuck off hit into it and roll five d six damage, it's probably going to go down. I, I love that this model has replaced one of his eyes with a fucking skull. Yeah, that was a, a gruesome detail I did not catch until uh, the, the second or third time I'd come to look at the model. It was just so so weird. Uh, but I, well, that's because your uh, your line of sight is drawn to the fucking arm hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, and he's got the Gatebreaker's hand where he's crushing two dudes in it. And then, yeah, just this big spike hammer is covered in blood and stuff. It's it's a really cool addition. I'm, I'm happy that they... They did not forget the Mega Gargants. It felt like it might have been a one-and-done army, which is fine because I really like it. Uh, but the fact that they're adding a character and an additional type of giant into it is really cool. I'm, I'm very happy they remembered that this army exists, especially since they forgot that the Gits exist. So at least yeah. it's it's a salve to the wound of my Gits not getting any updates. Yeah, and this... Um this guy can be a mercenary and a force of destruction as well. Yeah. Uh, so so the, any destruction army can hire him. Yeah, well, that's the fun thing with destruction in general. They can hire any of the other mercenaries as well, but they'll also... Oh, I guess that's true. I, but that means that they'll, only destruction will be able to get this guy as a mercenary too, so that'll be fun to see. Um, yeah, because uh, that was another reason I liked the Mega Gargan army, is I could take any of the models I already have and use them as a mercenary in any of the other armies that I already have, which is a pretty pretty fun way to really stretch a uh, uh, massively sized army like this, kind of like uh, if uh, a knight plays with uh, your your Black Templars or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway. You know, this guy is the ultimate giant killer. Yeah, no, he would be great at killing other Mega Gargans for sure. Holy shit. He's, he's good at stomping monsters. Um, well, let's see. While we're still in the Age of Sigmar area, uh, since it's been a little bit since we've done anything, uh, they did announce another cool new Slaves of Darkness model. We're getting Eternus, Blade of the First Prince, who is a, uh, a former Varengard of Archaeons who's turned to serve Bellicor the, Cho- uh, Bellicor the Chosen instead. So he's got his really cool, like, demon dinosaur horse thing that he's riding and he's got a fuck off huge halberd um not like i I saw that one really oh let me link it to you real quick uh i think it was announced like last day of nova or something so we didn't actually get to it uh whenever we we did our last uh episode since we did our, our round table discussion if it wasn't done at Nova, it was done right after i'm not i don't exactly remember which 5th of september yeah so it was on oh that is fucking cool right god damn yet another guy to add to my slow grow slaves of darkness army uh it's ceasing to be slow grow andrew it's still slow grow i've I've still only got a few models in it comparatively but uh we'll we'll see how quickly it grows when the uh the slaves to darkness box set comes out i'm gonna guess around christmas hopefully by then i'll have votan and mega gargant stuff done and i can actually work on it we'll see 
Uh, another uh, fun thing, it's Sigmar adjacent, but those new kick-ass skeletons from Underworld. Oh, yeah, what was it? Um, oh, I don't know what they're called. I couldn't even begin to tell you what the fuck they're I, called. Uh, the, the Gnarlwood set, what is it? Two seconds, I got it right here on the Warcom, on English, of course. Yeah. They are the uh, Sons of Velmorn. They are cool as fuck. It has a, uh, it looks like a dead king or something. He has kind of like a Warcraft, like Lich King sort of vibe to him, only, you know, fully dead and not just like, you know, Arthas with all of his meat still on him. But uh, it looks like what, if they updated the Grave Guard kit, that's what it would look like for sure. This is yeah. really, really cool. Like, it's it'd be worth picking these guys up, kind of like I did with, you know, Hexbane's Hunters. Really cool just to have for D&D stuff. Yeah, like these these models are exactly what cool armored skeletons should look like. With how They're, many? What's up? Oh, with how many damn models I keep buying from the series, I uh, probably should eventually learn just how to play Underworlds. But yeah, these are the ultimate like one step up from the normal skeletons that came in the Cursed City set. Yeah, yeah, because those guys were like city watch type stuff whereas these guys look like knights that have properly died and been resurrected these would have fit perfectly in the skeletonian army i had initially started oh yeah that would be really cool yeah these guys are uh they're kind of reset the clock on tony mentioning playing bretonians as a different army reset it from 20 minutes ago uh (laughs) not even 20 minutes ago not even 20 minutes ago that's when i edit it yeah um yeah, like these guys, they're they're like army of darkness adjacent in that they're a tiny bit goofy, but they still look really cool and intimidating as far as armored skeletons go. Especially the uh, the big guy with the, the helmet kind of sliding over his eyes. Yeah, I really like that one. That's really. But I, really I like cool the kit. dude with the uh, the fucking glaive, the little two handed Albert glaive thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why I like that model so much, but I really like it. It's kind of a a cool like stoic pose compared to everybody else who yeah, looks like well, they're it, lurching it's, forward. It's got the the leg drag yeah. to it as well. But yeah, that guy with the crown too. That's just oh, that's that's like a perfect yeah. like lich or king of the undead kind of thing for like a D and D game or something. Oh, really yeah. cool model. Uh, yeah, I will I will probably pick these guys up. And in the gnarl wood kit, you get yet another muscle bunch for chaos. Uh, what are they called? Something uh, I don't... The Gnarl Spirit Pack, a band and they, of Dark Oath Pariahs. They're cool. They they have like a, a, a fun like barbarian sort of vibe going to them. Um, There's Doofy Mask Man. Everybody loves Doofy Mask Man. Yeah, some little guy. He, he's just a little guy. But he's not little. He's the same height as the rest of them. I know. The problem is the mask is really big, so yeah, it makes it, him... It, it makes it, him look like a toddler. He looks like a fucking halfling or something. He's really tiny. Dude, he reminds me of... Um, the the kids in Nightmare Before Christmas wearing the big ass masks. Oh yeah, they're gonna go kidnap the Sandy Claws after they <laughs> yeah. fight these skeletons. Yeah, no, like he, uh, like the mask itself is kind of cool. It's got kind of like a chaos like predator vibe. Honestly, it really looks like a predator mask with uh, antlers it reminds on me it. of a mud crab from fucking. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, enjoy never being able to unsee that. No, it, it just looks like a mud crab that got turned into a predator mask. Um. I love the hammer guy. I hammer. have a thing for big fucking hammer dudes. Hammer guy's cool. <laughs> um, Sigmar. The fucking uh, Tim the Enchanter is what he like. Tim the Enchanter, if his yeah. robe got ripped in half, he's got the same kind of like skull helmet thing going on. So this, uh, and then you have uh, she Skrillex with her two axes. Yeah, really cool haircut for sure. 
Um, speaking of Elder Scrolls, her like crotch belt buckle thing she has going oh, on. Oh, it that, does. It looks, that looks like a dragon mask. Yeah, it looks like one of the dragon masks. I, I could see where some inspiration was taken for these guys. Um, yeah, it, this is a pretty solid Underworlds gang as well. They're just f- far overshadowed by these rad skeletons. Yeah. Like, if you just show me these guys, I'd be like, yeah, cool, n- another cool bunch of chaos guys. Awesome. Can't wait to maybe pick them up. Oh, nope. Skeletons win. So uh, Those keep, skeletons are just keep, fucking... Keep an eye out for Underworld Gnarlwood. That's coming soon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, new Zinch book is on pre-order. Yeah, they got uh, the Zinch book. Woo! They got a new uh, Disciples of Zinch uh, Vanguard box set, which is, you know, it's cool Woo! models. I like them. I like the Zangors. It's just I don't like them enough to have purchased any yet. Unfortunately, they're 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 uh, something I might get to at some point in the future. Who knows? Yeah, they just don't do it for me. Yeah, they're fine. Oh. There was one other really interesting kind of out of left field thing that they previewed. Oh yeah, uh, the Dawnbringer arsenal from Cities of Sigmar. Oh yeah, all of the cool new uh, yeah CAD the sculpts Sigmar of the weapons and stuff. Yeah, they are straight Mordheim looking. And yeah, I'm for sure. These are very like it. like cool like witch huntery kind of vibes. I'm I'm really hoping yeah. this whole army ends up being like that. They did tease a little bit of uh, artwork. Um, the guys in it, they're kind of like halfway between like current cities of Sigmar and honestly a little bit Bretonia. They're, they're not quite like full yeah. blown, like, you know, visored helmet knight type, type stuff, but they definitely have like a man at arms kind of yeah, look. Yeah, man. Yeah, you go right ahead into your, uh, your fucking chaos bros and I will fight you toe to toe with some sweet ass cities of Sigmar witch hunters. Oh man. Yeah. That's, you never know if these models are cool enough. I might just get some of them and Slaves to Darkness because uh, I'm a fucking Mark. I'm a Rube. I'll buy it. Yeah, you, you and me both, brother. If Games Workshop releases something real cool, I'll buy it. Uh, well, slipping off of uh, Age of Sigmar for a little bit, we uh, got a little bit of Necromunda stuff. Um, they released the dice for the Ash Wastes campaign for uh, the Ash Wastes Nomads, the Squats, and the Orlocks, which is pretty fun. They're all cool sets. They also released the, uh, what is it, the Cinderac Rising book? Or Cinderac, Cinderac Burning? Cinderac Rising book. Um, uh, which is... The Brute Choppers came out as the well. The Brute Choppers came out. Uh, still no word on when the Escher Bikers are coming, but I'm sure oh, they're, so they're probably sooner rather than later. Um, speaking of Escher, they also showed off a, uh, uh, a bodyguard. What is it called? The, um, oh damn, what is it? the matriarch's blade uh who's yeah. really ridiculous armored like ridiculous even for eschers crazy over the top armored she has like these ridiculous like bladed stiletto boots uh she has like she has hair that's somehow halfway between pompadour and ponytail which is amazing and and goofy as hell um she comes with uh what is it called? The goofy little like wing baby monster that are on uh, Necromunda, Caridid, Caridid, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 a bonus you can you can get for champions and leaders that give you a three up invuln save, which is fucking crazy for Necromunda. But uh, now this is just a really over the top in a good way Asher model for sure. I really like her uh, her plasma pistol too. How it, it looks like a plasma flintlock. Yeah. Uh, also on Escher, there's the Ashwaste upgrade sprue. Yeah, get some. It's uh, got backpacks and goggles. Get some gas masks on them. Yeah, just uh, they're they're actually ready for uh, for for those dust storms we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah, thank God. 
Uh, moving on from that, we got the release of the Gore Chosen of Drom, the really cool um, uh, uh, corn guys they showed off at Nova. So we got the big chunky guy, the, uh, the, the the chubby blacksmith, and then the guy with the cool like Aztec headdress. They're fun those models. Got, those got announced and released very quickly. Yeah, I think they were, they were just ready to go. And they're like, ah, fuck it, it's Nova. We'll just show them off and then you can get them next week or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, you got the Blood Bowl Amazons. Yeah, those are up for pre-order. Up pre-order. Uh, Blood Bowl Amazon. Along with uh, Glottal Stop, uh, Boa Constrictor, and uh, Witchy Woman that I can't remember. What's her name? Uh, uh, Estelle Lavenoe? Did you just make that up? Or no, that's is her that name. actually it? That's okay. it. I, I just read it. <laughs> Estelle Lavenoe. Um, yeah. yeah, Glottal Stop is fun. He was he was uh, shown Old off like, like a week ago, and then they just announced that, oh, hey, also he's coming out in a week. And it's like, oh, cool, okay. Um, I'm still not super sold on the Amazons. I guess if I wanted like a super passing kind of team, I would consider getting them because um, they are cooler to me than elves. But uh, yeah, there is a, there's a real good chance I might end up getting a lizard man team just so I can get Bow Constrictor and Glottal Stop because these are some mm-hmm. really cool models and I want a reason to use them. And then I could also use Zolkath the Zode as well. So just full lizard team for sure. Yeah, I, I like uh, grabbing Blood Bowl teams because they're not super expensive. Uh, it's a fun project to paint something that I would never normally paint, and they're all fun to play. Yeah, and then, you know, if you get a little uh, tired of your necromantic horror team or your orc team or whatever, you got something else to try with a very different play style. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see, a couple more quick ones. We got some heresy stuff that might actually be interesting to us because it could easily be made into a necromunda weirdo. We got... Yeah. Um, what is it? The Vanis Info Site Assassin, uh, who I guess, judging by the goofy name, is like a person who steals information instead of killing people. I don't know. Uh, I haven't read the blurb. It's just a cool, goofy model. Uh, we also get the uh, Clade Veninum Venin- yeah. Assassin. <laughs> that one's cool as shit looking. Yeah, he's got kind of a... I don't even know what I'm thinking of, what I'm looking at. Kind of a... I don't know, halfway to like a Dishonored video game kind of vibe, but with like oh, a gas yeah, mask. Oh, yeah, a little goggle thing, yeah. Yeah. He's very Calidus assassin looking. Yeah, I, I like that they, they're showing off like either lost or very infrequently used assassin schools. That's kind of neat because we're just used to like the four that you see in uh, in normal 40K. So it's kind of fun to be able to get some different vibes, even if it is 10,000 years prior. <laughs> So, uh, you know, that's a fun thing. Um, they also showed off some cool Death Guard Praetors, you know, easily converted if you have a Death Guard 40k army, or fun if you uh, happen to play 30k. That's- Same with, um, oh my god, Emperor's Children. I almost said Sons of Horus, but Emperor's Children. That Praetor is actually kind of cool looking. Then you've got the World Eater Rabbit Heads and the Space Wolf Puppy Heads. I mean, yeah, you gotta have your bunnies and your wolves. That's how. That's the perfect thing to God. fight. I wonder if GW saw all the memes about people making fun of it. Were like, clearly, wolf heads are cool to people because they're trending, and Ugh. just like it just went totally over their heads that people were making fun of them. Yeah, those, uh, the fucking wolf heads. They're just. It's so leaning into the wolf, wolf, the wolf, wolf vibe that the space wolves have, which they're not supposed to have at that point in 30K. They didn't lean yeah. into the wolf thing until way no, after. they didn't even call themselves space wolves. They, they called didn't. themselves the route. Yeah, way after Lehman Rust disappeared is when they're like, ah, oh, wolf everything, brother. 
uh, I don't know. It's a little silly. It's one of those things where, like, the helmet itself is not inherently bad. It's just the fact that, like, you expect an entire squad to have all these. This looks like the kind of thing that would be sprinkled throughout the army on, like, a sergeant or something, and that's it. Yeah. Well, so I have in my 40K army, I have one squad that wears those helmets, and it's my Reavers. That's it. And it looks fitting on them because they're supposed to be the shock troops. Yeah, and instead of goofy skull helmets, they have goofy wolf helmets. Exactly. I hate the goofy skull helmets. They're all very goofy. They make fantastic chaplain helmets. That I could see, yeah. Which is weird. I mean, they wear skull helmets. That totally tracks. Uh, And then the one last big one. Uh, which I know you're going to love for sure, Tony. It's not another Votan watch, but it is Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably pick up that set. Yeah, honestly, I, I might get the, the Chaos one because uh, I have friends who play Commander for fun. It's just a, a pre-built Commander deck for a decent price, and I am the, uh, the quote, Warhammer guy of our group, so I got to get it. Yeah, that's kind of how I am in our group as well, so... So. But I have I am almost one year clean from playing Magic because I hate that goddamn game, but I'll probably pick up this set just to you know that way I can play it when we go to the cabin trip. Yeah. Also, these decks are supposed to be OP as shit, so ah fuck. Well, off. they look they have really cool art on them. Honestly, looking they at them right really now. Really do. And there's a a bunch of different vibes. You get uh, Necrons, Imperium, Chaos, or Tyranids. So you can yeah. you can pick a lot of various flavors of 40k. So uh, yeah, you I'll really can. likely be getting the the Chaos one at some point in the future. But uh, far as I'm aware, that's everything worth covering on Warcom. Yeah, in the last month of Warcom articles, because we didn't do this dive when uh, we did our post Nova wrap up episodes. Yeah, so. yeah, been a bit, been a bit. Yeah, man, the the speed that they just throw articles out on Warcom is almost just horrifying. Well, it really feels like uh, they're kind of, well, A, they've gotten their pipeline done really well, like where they're they're constantly putting stuff out, and they've done way better at giving us news about upcoming things than they used to. And oh, B, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff that they had backed up from COVID, and they're trying to catch up with it because there was that really long stretch where they couldn't release stuff that I'm sure was supposed to have come out like six-plus months ago at this point. So That's I, true. we got a lot of backed-up shit, which, uh, you know, kind of works for us since we had such a drought for such a while. All right, so uh, digging into the main meat of our show, uh, pushing an hour in at this point, uh, we want to talk for just a little bit about why Blood Bowl is the best Warhammer game. Andrew. Yes. What is your favorite part of Blood Bowl? If if you see a random person on the street and you go, I'm going to get this motherfucker into Blood Bowl, what's uh, what's your go-to? Well, as a person who doesn't particularly care for football, uh, it would be one of those ones where it's like, hey, do you like football? No. Okay. Do you like Lord of the Rings? Yes. Okay. Do I have a thing for you? Uh, Do you like the term fantasy football? Does fantasy football make you think of orcs and ogres instead of like, you know, giving a shit about actual real life statistics? Okay. Then I got a thing for you. Um, It's... Yeah, it's it's just such a silly inherently concept that it's it's one that I think I can grab normies with where it's like no no this is fantasy football but with trolls and elves and fucking chainsaws and wacky bullshit. <laughs> so that would be my way to grab a normie. Yeah, that's that's kind of a good way to approach it is be like, "Hey, do you want a soup?" It's like, "Oh, hey, do you like uh any tabletop games at all or board games?" All right, cool. Well, there's Blood Bowl, miniature game fantasy stuff scratches the sports itch it's also super easy to learn 
really fun, and boy, do you get some just chuckles out of us. So, Andrew, I know you've done a little bit of research into the history of Blood Bowl and know a bit more about it than I do. Why don't you tell us the history of the old uh, Bloody Bowls? Okay, well, uh, the history is relatively limited because uh, there was a really, really good stretch in between updates, but uh, it did start back in 1986, uh, four years before I was born. Um, started off as a, a Games Workshop tabletop game, of course, uh, but apparently it started off a little bit more in the realm of like a fighting game that just also happened to have football. But then they did do another update uh, in 1988 where it became more of a football game that also happened to have fighting in it. Uh, definitely focused way more on the, the sports portion of the uh, the blood sport. Um, they released a, a set that came with orcs and humans as is standard. Um the pitches consisted initially of cardboard, but they actually changed it to polystyrene in the 88 edition for some reason. Uh, they also ended up uh, a few years afterwards in 91 releasing kind of like proto blitz bowl with a game called crunch K E R R U N C H, which was a very simplified version of blood bowl. Uh, it was more aimed at kids, but it was also a good way to kind of like introduce people into blood bowl, kind of like blitz bowl is now. Um, and then eventually they were, uh, releasing the third edition in 1994, which, uh, drastically increased the amount of rules apparently. And it made games last a little bit over two hours, which is more than uh, current blood bowl tends to do. Uh, and then eventually they introduced the fourth edition in 2001, which is kind of where the game uh, languished for a while. Uh, they introduced the living rulebook, though, so that way people were kind of allowed to update and change the rules as it went, because there wasn't really much of a, uh, a real plan for GW to continue increasing the, the rule sets and adding too much onto it. Uh, until 2016, unexpected by everybody, they released a brand new edition of the game. Uh, everybody was up in arms about that one. They're like, holy shit, we got a brand new Blood Bowl. Oh my God, we haven't had... We haven't had new Blood Bowl in 15 fucking years. Jesus Christ. Uh, which was fantastic. And then uh, continue the streak of confusing everybody. They released yet another one in end of 2020. We got the new one that came with the Black Orcs set with uh, the Imperial Nobles. So they've been on a streak since 2016 of just consistently updating Blood Bowl, which for such a huge drought was an amazing thing for them to do. Uh, and from that point forward, they actually care. They've released FAQs. There have been consistent spike magazines and rule books and, and, and changes to the rule set as needed. It's, it's a proper living game now. And as Tony and I always say, it's the easiest game to learn. Pick up a rule book. Learn it. It's great. Yeah, it, it's super fun. It's super easy to learn. Uh, and another way you can learn it is the video game. Yes, Blood Bowl 2 was a really good adaptation of Blood Bowl 2016. Blood Bowl 3 is soon to be released, and it's the rule set for Blood Bowl 2020. Or if you're a dinosaur that doesn't have much in the way of original computers, uh, there's like a 94 DOS edition of one of the original rule sets of Blood Bowl I found in my research. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no matter how old your computer is, there's probably a Blood Bowl game that can be run on it. <laughs> That's fantastic. But on top of all of that, uh, it provides 
pretty much every variety of fantasy that you could want in your fantasy football game. There are tons and tons of teams to choose from at this point. So I'm going to go through a few of them, and one of these flavors will be for you. So in the current rule set, what is currently uh, acceptable, you get the black orc teams, which are just big boy orcs. Just think of the chonkiest orc that's ever orced before. They're backed up by goblins. You get the chaos chosen, which are just big spiky dudes in armor, as well as some chaos mutants. Uh, you get the chaos renegades, same thing, but more focusing on mutants. So lots of beast men. You get the dark elves, which, you know, think Tolkien elves, but like black and purple and with more spikes. Uh, you get the dwarves. You get the elven union which is just kind of any elf is accepted. You get goblins, which are just bumbling dipshits, but on top of being bumbling dipshits, they get trolls and secret weapons. They can bring bombs and chainsaws and pogo sticks and gliding machines and all kinds of wacky bullshit. Uh, after them, you can get the halfling team, which, you know, think Frodo and Sam, but way stupider and way fatter. Uh, but they can get backed up by Treeman and really good star players. Uh, you can get your bog standard human team after that, who are not great at anything, but also not bad at anything. You can get the Imperial Nobility team, so think humans plus. Uh, better armor and better clothes, I guess. You can get the Coronate Berserkers, who are just the Chaos guys, but way more focused on punching and blood and stuff. They don't care about playing with the ball. They just want to kill your guys because you can't score if you're dead. Uh, you can also get the Lizard Man team, so big, chonky uh, Saurus linemen backed up by really fast, agile skinks. Uh, after that, you get the Necromantic Horror team, which I've talked about several times. You can get the, uh, the Spirit of Halloween team with all the pumpkins and werewolves and Frankensteins and stuff. The Fun Dead. The Fun Dead, who uh, did me no service at the tournament, but that was mostly because of my dice. Um, you can get the Nurgle Chaos guys, who are just just gross. They're just nasty. Just, just plague zombies and gross spawn, and they're really terrible in the game because they're super slow and have no good stats. But, you know, they're really cool models. Uh, after that, you get the Ogre team, which are just some big, chonky dudes backed up by just some of the crappiest little goblins you've ever seen. And they're all really stupid, and we think with a big team, things would be really easy. But no, they're so stupid, there's a good chance they'll forget to play the game. So you have to roll for that every time you play with them. Uh, after that's Old World Alliance, it's just kind of a mix of a lot of the stuff I'd said before, like elves, humans, dwarves. Uh, after that is just the bog standard orc team, which is just, just a good all-around punchy team, but they can actually play with the ball a bit. Uh, after them, shambling undead, who are the not-fun-dead Halloween team. They're just uh, skeletons, zombies, and mummies. Um, and then after that is one of Tony's favorite, the Skaven, if you want to play as yeah, some, some fast little rat boys who are backed up by big rat ogres and just they're, they're, they're lightning fast. If you get the two gutter runners back-to-back, -back, you could almost get a one-turn touchdown, which is just insane. They uh, are hyper-fragile. Oh, boy. They will die if you spit at them. But you got to catch them first. That's the big thing. Yeah, that's the trick. Uh, after them is the team that Tony just played. The Snotlings. Think goblins and everything I described with them, but smaller, weaker, and stupider. Um, it, it, very agile. Very agile. It's the only thing they have going for them. Um, but they also have great models, too. Um, oh my god, those pump wagons are fucking fantastic. After them is the Underworld Denizens teams, which are kind of a mix of uh, goblins, skaven, and various chaos dudes. And then last but not least, we have the Wood Elf teams, which, you know, elves, but you can take tree people. And then recently, we have the list of the teams of legend, which are no longer supported, with the exception of two that have just been released and are about to be released. Tony has uh, one of them, the 
Norse team, which are essentially Vikings, but more drunk and who play football, who, uh, similar to the human team, not particularly good at anything, but also not particularly bad at anything, but a little bit angrier, so they do some more punching. And they uh, get a really good big guy. They get some really, really good big guys. Uh, and a couple of very tough guys. They got the Ulfenwagen, or whatever they're called. Ulfenwagen, the, yeah, the Berserkers. The not quite but werewolves. they've also got one of the weakest things in the game, the beer pig. But the beer pig is powerful because it can it bring guys back. super powered. So there's some, there's some stuff like that. And then another team of legend coming back that we just mentioned earlier, the Amazon team. They, they had languished in goofy metal models until very recently, and we were about to get them soon. But after them, we have a few more that might eventually come back. I'm hopeful for a couple of these. Uh, we got the vampire team, which is fun. They have uh, some super-powered players who occasionally have to feed on their thralls that are essentially their linemen for the game. Uh, I want to I I hop in here real quick. Oh, here. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So there's another order organization in blood bowl it's called the naf it is the international association of blood bowl that has been around pretty much since the 80s version it's kept blood bowl alive when gw kind of let it go to the wayside uh it's the nuffle uh, uh what nuffle amorical football Some. whatever the fuck amorical means yeah something like that yeah uh, but they have all kinds of rules. They run tournaments. You get like a NAF number and stuff. I joined it uh, the other day, just curious on what it was. And they have a list of teams that are official at their sanctioned events as well. And Andrew, you know what are some of them on there? What's that? We've got Chaos Chosen, Chaos Dwarves, Chaos Renegades. You've got your Kamari Tomb Kings, which are your egyptian skeletons with like anointed throwers and tomb guardians and mummies and shit like that the vampire team is a naf official team it is thrall lyman and vampire blitzers that is it that is all their team can be yep they, they don't get access to nearly ton, that many uh crazy fun wacky things because they, they rely don't. heavily on their vampires yeah bloodlust hypnotic gaze and regeneration uh, and you, you know what else is on there? Mm. Bretonians, baby! Reset <laughs> the clock. The Bretonian team is on there, so if you want to play your knights, uh, another mediocre human team. But their uh, their yeomen have wrestle, which is a kind of a rare skill that's pretty awesome. Uh, you can also play as demons of corn, pit fighters, bloodletters, heralds. Oh yeah, and their big guy is a bloodthirster. Well, there would have to be a specific model made for Blood Bowl because uh, the one that's using AOS and 40K is a little on the big side. Yeah, uh, you know how you know how much the Bloodthirster costs? Uh, Gold-wise or money-wise? Gold-wise. Uh, 350, I'm going to guess. 180. Wow. Movement 6, Strength 5, Agility 1, Armor 9. Loner, Pre Frenzy, Wild Animal, Claw, Horns, Juggernaut, Regeneration. That's uh. That's a lot of goods and a lot of bads all mixed into one. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like you would just use a big blood letter for that. Uh, you can also run the slant team, which is different than the lizardmen. The slant team is all, I think it's all just big lizards. There's no uh, skinks. Yeah, linemen, catchers, blitzers, and cruxers. So in addition to the teams, you actually get a welcome package when you join the NAF. Uh, it's a $10 annual membership. It tracks all of the tournaments and stuff. You can find tournaments. You can find other players in the area. Reach out to them. Uh, but you're assigned a NAF number. And when you go to Blood Bowl tournaments, they'll ask you for it. If it's a NAF-sanctioned event. And it will track all your progress. 
it will pair you up against similar players with similar rankings to you. And you also get a premium care package when you start. So you get to select it. Uh, I went with the 2021 one, which is uh, a coin uh, that's a ball marker. It has NAF on one side and the ball on the other. And then just a pair of NAF D6. All right. So uh, uh, metal coin, what was, did they have like a 2022 package or any of the previous there, there's years? N- there's not a 2022 one. Uh, you can get uh, the dice are pink on this one, which whatever. I don't care. Uh, I like the ball coin. I think that'll be useful. The 2020 is a set of purple D6 and a argue the call token. <laughs> the 2019 is a pair of orange dice. And I don't know what the fuck this coin is. I got no clue. Uh, and then you can get 2012, 2010 or 2008. And those are a set of three block dice, but just in different colors. So they just, they have a lot of backstock on those years is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I've, you know, it's the end of 2022. So I guess I've missed the 2022 package. Well, maybe you'll get lucky and in 2023 or 2024, they'll go, oh, we have 2022 back in stock. Yeah. I wish it gave me a, oh my God, there's 25,600 people registered. That's not bad. That is a lot more than I thought there would be. Yeah, if you look at like the the basic like Warhammer gaming community as a whole, that's 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 still a pretty sizable chunk of people. That is a lot. Wow. Yeah. Well, now that we've uh, discussed a bit of the history of Blood Bowl and a little bit of the uh, I don't know the tournament side of things with uh, the NAF and all that, we can I guess kind of go into like the basics of Blood Bowl if you are. Uh, uh, uninitiated, haven't played a video game, or haven't listened to one of our previous podcasts. So, basics. On the whole, Blood Bowl is American-style football. You get a pitch, and on each end is an end zone. And to score a point, you gotta get the ball into the end zone. In a player's hands. It can't just ball it, bounce into it. Um, bounce. You can't just bounce the ball right into that end zone. You don't score it in. Hey, boy, gonna go play some Blood Bowl. God damn, Andrew. I've, this beer was an 8 percenter, so... <laughs> No excuse for you dropping back into fucking Banks County that quick, bud. Funny thing is, I never really had much of an accent. But anyway. Uh, unless you drink an 8% beer. Suppose so. Um, so, uh, whenever you're playing Blood Bowl, similar to actual football, you set up a line of defense at the middle line of the pitch, and then one team kicks off to the other team, other team has to catch it. Uh, but you also have to do a bunch of really wacky shit that you roll for on charts. You have to check the weather. You have to check fan factor to see if the fans do anything. And in the current edition, you have to do prayers to Nuffle, uh, which uh, for those of you that don't know, Nuffle is the god of football, a play off of NFL, NFL, which is National Football League. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I guess we should pull it back to the actual history, history of it. So in Blood Bowl, it's Warhammer Fantasy, but they found a temple that was devoted to the god Nuffle. And in that temple, they found the rules to Blood Bowl. And instead of continuing to fight wars and stuff, all peoples have decided to, to to solve all grievances by playing Blood Bowl. And it's great. So everybody in the entire world plays Blood Bowl. There's tons of different leagues and divisions. And uh, it's, it's the only place currently, other than uh, Total War Warhammer, where the old world still exists in some capacity, in an official capacity from Games Workshop. Um but anyway, so back to the actual thing. So you roll on the players to Nuffle table as well, where certain goofy things can happen. And so 
said certain goofy things between the weather, the fans, and the prayers are, uh, it could just be a fucking blizzard for this particular drive. So everybody has more difficulty running. Everybody has more difficulty catching the ball. Everybody has more difficulty throwing the ball. Everybody has difficulty tackling because they'll slip on the ice. Um, All the things you would imagine of playing football in a blizzard. Exactly. You could also get the inverse where it's sweltering heat, so you can't run very far without having to make a check to see if your guys pass out from heat exhaustion. Uh, if you're doing the fan factor table, uh, one of your people could potentially get hit by a rock thrown by a fan and just killed. It's happened to me before. You can just lose a player times. from angry fans. Uh, you can have police storm the pitch and drag one of your guys away because they're a, a wanted felon or something. Um, you can have a living ball. So whenever you drop the ball, it scurries off and you have to chase after the thing. There's a, there's a lot of goofy things that really throw an extra wrench into your plans for Blood Bowl. You can, of course, play without that and just have a very basic... Oh, I've been fiddling with my bottle cap and I just dropped it. Um, <laughs> you can have a very basic game of Blood Bowl and just play by base, the basic rules, but uh, having these little goofy things to throw in can really like change up the game, especially for veteran players who have done it for a long time and want to you know, have... Uh, hindrances that can really change how they play the game and so forth. It's a very interesting dynamic, especially if you keep the same team and want to really mix it up a bit for a while. Yeah, so Prayers to Nuffle can also do fun things, and they can stack and make things terrible. Like uh, the game Trent and I played, uh, we rolled on the chart and we got a Prayer to Nuffle, and that Prayer to Nuffle was moles under the field, which meant that moles were randomly popping up, so it was a lot harder to run. And then it was also in a blizzard! which means it was also harder to run. So in Blood Bowl, you can do a thing called going for it, where once you've gone the distance of your move characteristic, you can attempt to go up to two more squares. You have to roll a six-sided die. On a one, your dude just trips and eats shit, and you lose the ball if you had it, but it's a turnover either way. Uh, But if you roll a two or higher, your dude continues the run. So in this game, the moles added minus one to that roll, so on a one or two, you would trip, and then the blizzard added, added minus one, so on a one, two, or three, you would trip. And if you were, if I was playing my Norse team, they have a rule called drunkard, which gives you a minus one to that roll, so thank God I wasn't playing my Norse, because then I would need a fucking five up to do anything, uh, or to continue going after my meager move. Which is pretty ridiculous. Um, but it's funny. It's funny as hell. And for those of you that have played Age of Sigmar, 40k, other games, workshop games, every player has a similar profile to those games uh, with armor values, strengths, things like that. But they also have a movement capacity. So in, you know, Warhammer, it'd be six inches. In Blood Bowl, it would be six spaces or something. Um, and then, like Tony said, after you reach that maximum, you roll a die to see if you continue going up to two additional spaces but you have the chance to trip and break your own neck or something like that uh and no matter what if you fall it's a turnover meaning it's the other person's turn which can happen prematurely because a lot of the game of blood bowl is strategizing on trying to figure out when the turnover might happen if you're lucky everybody in your team will get a turn and you'll be done just normally but sometimes things go wrong and you lose your turn early and it goes to the other person but happily the same thing happens to the other person playing so there's a really good chance they will also fuck up and give you right back to your turn to play the ball yeah and the the game is split into two halves each player has eight turns a half so a a turnover is a big deal if it happens early because it's going to lose like one sixteenth of the game. You'll just 
not get to do. Uh, and you can pay gold at list creation for re-rolls in addition to players on your team. So most people will do anywhere between one and three re-rolls. And the best part about the re-rolls is you can spend them on any of your dice rolls. And after halftime, you get them back for the second half. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about a, a pre-gaming and what that is. We got a little sidetracked on it. But yeah, so each 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 game is split into two halves. Each half is eight turns per player. Um, you have 11 players on the pitch at a time. Unless your guys get taken out by fights, uh, by fouls, by being blocked, uh, by tripping and breaking their own necks. There's a couple of ways to lose players. One team is the kicking team, just like in football. One team is the receiving team. And it goes until one team scores until the next kickoff. Or halftime will cause another kickoff. So, Blood Bowl's not generally a very high-scoring game. Uh, 1-0, 2-1, those are your most common scores. Uh, Fast teams, you'll see three, maybe four scores. Occasionally, you'll see, like, scores of five. And those are usually very, very good players. There are some Blood Bowl players out there where, unless the dice fuck them, they will win against most people just because they know the game inside and out. They've got plays and strategies. And uh, that's one of the cool things, Andrew, that I actually found on the NAF site, is there's a set of playbooks. Like, oh, thank God. That's something I would need because uh, yeah. I just kind of make a line and put some guys behind it. And I'm like, yeah, they'll kick and or throw the ball. That'll be great. Well, like the the Norse one here, I'm just scrolling down it. Uh, oh, that froze. There we go. I'm just <laughs> scrolling down it. It is nine pages of philosophy on playing the Norse. Wow. Nine pages. Yeah. Double-spaced? Uh, it's broken like an outline. Okay. But yeah, here, here we go. Uh, the first principle is the key of player survival. Your team's key players, Yeti, werewolves, blitzers, linemen, should one, not get hit, two, not fall down, and three, not get stuck in tackle zones. That means all wear blitzer yetis should be spent on blocking skills. Like, the second principle is role definition. It's like, ooh, these guys have put way more thought into Blood Bowl than I have. Wow, there's just... It's it's a deceptively simple game. There is tons of strategy behind it because, as we said, the whole point is trying to prevent the turnover and doing as much stuff on your turn as it is physically possible to do. Sometimes the dice will screw you, of course, but... Uh, so I, I could see there being nine pages of strategy for how to play a certain team a certain way. Cause, uh, as you know, you could probably infer from when I was listening to the teams previously, some teams are bigger and beefier at others who are, you know, they're going to knock your guys down, but they might not be so great at catching the ball. Some teams are a little bit less on the strong side, but could potentially be good at dodging out of people's reach, grabbing the ball. So they would you know, with the 20-some-odd the teams or whatever I listed, there's there's a lot of ways to play Blood Bowl for sure. Well, the uh, the playbook for the Wood Elves is 22 pages long and straight up has diagrams and play builds. Goddamn. <laughs> like, defensive asymmetrical setup for rookie rosters. Defensive asymmetrical setup, full roster against slow bashy teams. Defensive setup, full roster against fast teams. Defensive setup, anti-two-turn touchdown. Like, what the fuck? 
Yeah, and we're we're strong proponents of this game. It's very fun. It's very easy to learn. It's but as awesome. as this website shows, it's hard to master. There is a lot yeah. of in-depth strategy if you really want it to be that way. Or, as Tony and I have said several times, it could be the ultimate beer and pretzels game where you just throw oh, dice yeah. and have fun. Yeah, it's a fun game. Like, even, uh, even when I got my ass kicked at Slaughter Day, I had fun. And my opponents were all fantastic as well. On the whole, I agree. I had a, I had a couple of moments where it's like, why can I not roll anything except for ones? But you know, dice, dice like ice, like ice. Uh, I think that's more of an us problem than a game. Problem. Yes, that is not Blood Bowl or my opponent's fault at all. That is just dice or dice sometimes, and sometimes they don't want to roll anything above a fucking one. Yeah, but uh, Blood Bowl, it's it's just a very fun, fast game because a full game with both players like playing playing two hours tops yeah at at most yeah yeah uh and that's when you're like thinking a lot uh, we tend to sometimes play much faster games of blood bowl because we're just like her, her lines crash into each other yeah there's a lot of uh hey wouldn't it be funny if this guy did this roll for it and sometimes that guy will do that case in point beer pig tackling what was your guy that tackled uh, I think it was one of my werewolves. Was it a werewolf? Yeah. It, it's taken out one of um, Matt's fucking whites before. So. Yeah. So Beer this, pigs, not to be underestimated. The smallest, stupidest guy on your team taking out one of the best guys on our teams. Yeah, but uh, if any of the listeners want to give Blood Bowl a shot, feel free to reach out to me or Andrew. Uh, we would love to teach more people Blood Bowl. It's super fast, super easy. We've got enough teams to teach people how to do it. God damn it. What? No, the fucking Giants just scored. <laughs> Tony, watching football while we talk about fantasy football. Don't judge me. Hold on, I need to check something. I was like, fucking Ezekiel Elliott has lost yards since the last time. I looked, motherfucker. Uh, well, I will continue to talk while Tony loses his shit over that. Um, yes, please. There's plenty of ways to learn Blood Bowl. Uh, so as we've said before, there are video game versions. These, The most recent one is Blood Bowl 2, which will be set in the 2016 rule set, which is a little bit different than the current one, but it's at least on par enough that you can at least learn the basics of the game. Um, for those of you that have Tim Tabletop Simulator on Steam, or I think it might also be on GOG and maybe Epic, but if not, it's on PC for sure. Um, there's a really good rule sets that you can download for just how to play Blood Bowl. It comes with all the teams, comes with all the current updated rules. Those guys are really on the ball with keeping that up to date. And then sometime this year, allegedly, but more likely it's looking like 2023 at this point, there will be a Blood Bowl 3 video game, which will have slightly better graphics, but still not great, but that's not what you're there for what you're there for is the fact that it has the 2020 rule set of rules so you can actually keep up with how current blood bowl plays so there's a, a lot of good ways to kind of keep your hand in it without having to necessarily fully invest in models if you're a little uh, gun shy about doing that uh there's also what is it is it fumble is that the the other one other one yeah, yeah this is new to me fumble online blood bowl league hmm do tell about it. I have not heard it of this. It is the... Uh, so I remember hearing somebody say something about it, but Fumble, F-U-M-B-B-L, oh, Blood Bowl League, nice, is the largest online Blood Bowl League in the world and is completely free to join. Play whatever you feel like it or join one of their many tournaments and player-run leagues. You decide. If you need help to get started, you should take a look at the user guide. Well, awesome. Sounds like an even better way to get yeah. into it because uh, they will definitely have the current rule sets. I... Okay, so it's like it's akin to the to the NAF. 
Okay. It looks like. No, five currently active games. Spectate. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm spectating this shit. You better believe it. <laughs> uh, does not have an app associated with What the fuck app do I need? What the hell is a dot JNLP? That's a great question. Probably something we should learn later. But hey, it's a... Java Network Launch Protocol. Sounds like there's uh, plenty of other ways to look at how to play Blood Bowl as well. You don't need a whole lot to play Blood Bowl either. Uh, The start set obviously comes with a pitch on it. A pitch, a dice, the templates, the uh, two teams. uh, Uh, You don't really really need the templates. The templates are in the book. You could roll them out of that. Yeah, the templates are just kind of a nice addition, but uh, not, not super necessary. The main thing you want are the teams, the pitch, and the dice. Yeah. And, of course, your rules. But So there's a lot of different pitches as well. The start set comes with just a basic pitch. All of the teams, when they came out, have also had a pitch released with them that is, like, themed for them. Like, the snotling pitch is this just, like, gross, grimy cave on one side, and you flip it over, and I think the other side's like a mushroom field. Uh, and it comes with two themed dugouts as well for where you put your reserves and casualties, keep track of your score, your turns. And the uh, the themed pitches also come with bonus rules in the Spike magazines, which I did mention those earlier, but I didn't actually go into them. So Spike magazine uh, tends to be released every time they release a new team. Uh, it has that team's rules. It also has some goofy lore blurbs to go into the backstory a little bit more. Um, and it usually has discussions about strategy, stuff like that. But uh, also, if it comes with the new team, will come with a pitch, which will have specific rules for their teams. So, uh, example, like the Nurgle team we discussed earlier. Uh, the worst Nur- team that's ever existed. But if you're playing on their pitch, uh, all wound rolls against them are lowered because their whole shtick is they're supposed to be super tough and durable. So if you're playing on their home turf, it's even harder to hurt them, which is a big thing because they're already pretty hard to hurt. That's like the one thing they have going for them. So uh, every team has specific things like that. I don't actually know what like your Norse guys would have, but they also have specific bonuses. I imagine it's probably something beer and or ice themed with them. I did not know the pitches had specific rules, so yep. I didn't look it up. Um my Spike magazine is in the car with my Blood Bowl stuff. Yep, but there's tons of tons of ancillary rules, like basic Blood Bowl, very easy to learn, but you can really stretch it out and make your games really wacky if you want to. Yeah, it's... I can't recommend Blood Bowl enough. Like, I really can't. It also doesn't take much space up. No, yeah, you can... If you buy the starter set and if you don't care about expanding your teams very much, that's all you need. It's just a, you know, two foot by one foot box and that can just go on your board game shelf. Um, And even if you really do want to expand into it, you could buy three, four, five teams and fit them all in one basic miniatures case because unless you really want to expand and have every single option possible, it's like 10 models for a team. It's great. Yeah, and I mean, even to play, it's what the board is maybe maybe 24 by 36 maybe yeah it's perfect like coffee table or kitchen table board game it's you you don't need to have your six foot by four foot table like you would have for 40k age of sigmar yeah and then you can do the upgraded thing where uh some people have the cardboard pitches uh matt and i both have neoprene pitches that roll out uh or you can be like phil and fucking 3d print an entire blood bowl pitch with stands and dugouts and all kinds of other crazy shit. I uh, am very excited to see all of that fully painted. It's it's coming along quite I nicely. I am too. It looks great. I love that Phil's our terrain guy. It's uh, nice to have consistent surprises every couple of months. 
It is. It really is. Uh, so, Andrew, if you had to pick, what is your favorite Blood Bowl team and why? Ooh, that's a, that's a question that if you ask me every day would probably change. Uh, yeah, what, agreed. Uh, currently, my favorite Blood Bowl team is probably my Necromantic Horrors team, just because I really like the Spirit of Halloween vibe with all the jack-o'-lanterns and the ghosts and the, the werewolves and Frankensteins and stuff. And as of recording, it's end of September, so I'm getting into the Halloween spirit and all that. You spooky dookies. I'm getting spooky dooky. I had my Halloween beer. I put up some, uh, some, some jack-o'-lantern cutouts in my space to make it feel festive, you know. But, uh, you know, if you ask me in a month, it might be goblins because I love how madcap they are and how utterly useless they are. But if they get really lucky with their pogo sticks and chainsaws and shit, they can wreck an unprepared team. Or uh, ask me even later and I might come back and say, oh, well, I just like the orcs because I'm an orc guy and I like punching the other people sometimes. It's very cathartic to just flatten an entire line and just walk the ball over the end zone. Mm. So there's there's a there's a good flavor for every play style and every fantasy preference. How about you? What, what, what would your favorites be? You can't say Bretonians. They technically don't exist. They do exist. They are an NAF approved team. We don't care about that, Tony. <laughs> Uh, so my my go-to team is probably the Skaven because I'm a rat boy at heart. Uh, they're just, they're fun. They're fast. They don't hit for shit except for the rat ogre, and he's big and stupid. But they're, they're just really entertaining. They're really fucking fast. If you get caught, you're screwed with them, so it's really high risk, high reward. But right now, currently, if you ask me today what my favorite is, it's probably my orc team, and that's just because I finished painting them recently. I really like how they look, and I really want to get them on the table. The and, black uh, orc specifically, yeah. The black orc specifically, yeah, yeah. The the big beefy armored dudes with their goblin bros. But it'll be nice to play a team that when it gets hit, it doesn't just implode like my Norse do. That's pretty nice, uh, yeah. Yeah, and some actual strength to be able to hit things. And hit things quite well. Yeah, that's the plan. But yeah, so uh, uh, basic message for the past 20-some-odd minutes of us rambling. Uh, play Blood Bowl, y'all. Yeah, seriously. It's, uh, do, you have a, uh, do you have a favorite miniature in Blood Bowl, Andrew? Ooh, favorite miniature. Um, I know that one's on the spot. I just I was just thinking about that. I was about to say, on the spot. Just I guess it would have to be out of what I own, because that's what I know the best. So, yeah, ah, man, there's just so many really good ones. I'd say currently either a tie between the armored troll that i just finished the one who has the the bloody ogre leg in his hand just because that's a really fun very blood bowl vibe or the wraith from the necromantic horrors team because it's a sheet ghost like literally it's it's a sheet that's (laughs) hanging off of a clothesline there's socks on it and everything it's just such as it's a quintessentially quintessentially blood bowl model because it's taking the serious concept from warhammer fantasy and just making it goofy yeah that one's that one's pretty good how about you Oh man, she goes just pretty good. I guess it doesn't have to be a team you own. That was just what I mean. I, I own. With. I own a set of Necromantic Horrors. That's true. Yeah, I bought them last year for a Halloween episode. Oh yeah, and then you, you built them, didn't you? You didn't actually get around. I to built them. them. I have one of them right here in front of me by my desk because he's one of my. He's my favorite Necromantic Horror mo- model, and that's the uh, the pumpkin head with the witch hat guy. Ah, oh, that one's so good too. That one's good, but I think my favorite is uh, it's a toss up between two Forge World Star players. And one of them is the uh, the Pompadour Yeti that I don't know his name. Scrag something, I think. 
I don't know. I'm going to let you Google that. Yeah, and you can mention the other one while I'm doing yeah. that. Uh, and the other is the Verminator, because rat ogres are cool as shit, and a cyborg rat ogre is even fucking cooler. With specific rules that are called I'll be back whenever he gets sent <laughs> yeah. off for a special his special uh, secret weapon that will get you kicked off of a pitch normally but he'll come back because he's special yeah uh, that's that's a very snorry snowpelt ah, okay. snow something snowpelt something snowpelt I just got to it for some reason the website's being slow give me two shakes ah <laughs> uh, scrog snowpelt you were mostly Skrorg. right I got, uh, I got the last But Thorson stout meat is fun too. Just a fuck off big <laughs> fat a Viking. Like Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, there's some some great ones. I mean, if we're just doing star players, we got Max Spleen Ripper, the chainsaw wielding loony for the Chaos Guys, good. who's got a, a fuck off big chainsaw and he's throwing up the horns and has his tongue out. Uh, what about. Um, Barrack Far Blaster, the dwarf with a fucking bazooka <laughs> shooting a football. <laughs> Well, then there's the the undead guy who has the elf arm that he's throwing the ball with. Oh, scroll half height. Yeah, he's scroll a really high. fun one. I, I always want to say half helm, but half helm is the fucking Skaven one. Uh, half helm scuttle fuck or something. <laughs> Hack flim scuttle spite. You mean? Yeah, that's it. The the two headed uh, uh, super agile ball carrier guy. I, I, I like mine better. Yeah, half helm scuttle fuck. Scuttle fuck. <laughs> yep, that's definitely it. <laughs> um yeah i know the star players are their own thing for sure like I, w- I was mostly just thinking like basic teams but if we're going into star players my favorites probably Ooh. oh man that's a really tough one yeah oh geez putting me on the spot uh yeah uh, the- my my favorite non-star player model is probably the fucking moon bounce snotling Oh, the one that's got the uh, the fungus hopper or whatever. Yeah, the, the fun hopper. Or yeah. it's a it's a tie between him or the fucking halfling with the goddamn colander on his head. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Uh, speaking of halflings, they did just release the new star player of uh, Rumbelow Sheepskin, the halfling uh, with a with a, a meat the meat brain fork goat. On a, you want a goat? Yeah. The goat looks like a fucking brain. It's weird. Yeah, the way they did the wool is a little interesting on him. Might also be the paint scheme, but. Uh, yeah. yeah that's that's a fun goofy one it's just so characterful all the models are hilarious and fun and it's just you know really leaning into the goofy side of warhammer and i i love it oh yeah blood bowl's cheesy as fuck and that's what makes it so enduring and great doesn't take itself seriously at all and that's hilarious and you know a game is good when there was let's see what uh you said 88 was uh the last release before 2016 uh 94 Four, I want to say. 94. Okay. So no, there 2001. Was a, there was 94 to 2001 and then 2001 to 2016. Okay. So you're looking at a fucking seven-year gap and then a 15-year gap with no no true blue support from GW. And the community kept it alive. Because it's fun. Because it's fun. And silly. It has a great premise. It's, it's fantasy football leaning on the fantasy. Yeah fantasy football in the old world or what is it, the game of real fantasy football yeah <laughs> oh uh, you know you know what we didn't mention what's that uh, about blood bowl there's a side game of it called dungeon bowl yep. which is a dungeon crawling blood bowl which we've really got to play we do we do you have a set of it michael I have has said several it. times that it's super fun we definitely need to yeah. check it out apparently the original the original dungeon bowl actually came out with the like the second edition i want to say so like way back in 88 so it's it's not a new concept. No, it is as old as I am. 
<laughs> it is as old as Blood Bowl almost. <laughs> yeah. Dungeon Bowl looks like it would be a load of fucking fun. I, I gotta paint those teams up. Yep, we gotta give it a try. It sounds like a good oh, time. Oh man, the old Dungeon Bowl box is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, well, now we're Googling it. Elves and Dwarves Dungeon Bowl. Oh yeah, there it does look go. really cool. That is fucking rad as shit. Awesome. Wonderfully 80s charcoal and pencil art the fucking the like elven mohawk hair is my favorite wow that's like that's a mohawk and a flat top how did they do that oh my god andrew how much is 95 british pounds uh well the pound has been tanking lately so rough guess like a hundred and ten dollars if it wasn't also forty dollars to deliver to the u.s good lord there's a set of it right here Oh, wow. Connor, support our Patreon so we can buy dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, give us money so we can buy <laughs> stupid things. Yeah, but he'll also benefit from it because he he was interested in Blood Bowl. Uh. He's got a fucking Caradron Overlord start set that he was slowly building. Oh damn! Well, we'll have to get him into the group. He can oh, he can pay for the privilege to hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, love it. Oh. oh god, the old Dungeon Bowl tiles are just straight up hero quest. Yep. A lot of reusing a lot of uh, sculpts and prints. I'm okay with that. I like all the little accessories that come with Dungeon Bowl. Yeah, there's some good silly shit in here. But anyway, we're at about two uh, hours, yeah, so we should probably right. wrap it up soon. Yeah, fair enough. Well, a lot of it was us fucking around. That's fine. Uh, all right, so uh, before we get out of here, though, Andrew, I do have a dumb list. It's oh. been a while since we've done it. Been a while. It, <laughs> it's been a while. But this is uh, this is going to be a quick one, okay? All right. What are, what are we doing it in? What what game it system? Is, it, it is Warhammer 40k. Okay. It is um, what is it? Warzone Nephilim. Okay. It's the official chapter approval right now. It is a Strike Force list. It's a two thousand point list. All right. So it is. Um, I believe it's technically a Mechanicum list. Uh, the first unit you're going to do in it is a Warhound Titan. Okay. Good start. <laughs> All right. Uh, with a plasma blast gun and a Vulcan megabolt. Okay, so I have a rough. That's I- it. I'm about to say I have a rough idea of how much Warhound Titan costs. I think that's two thousand points. Army. That's our dumb list. One unit, fifty wounds, dies in a turn. Can't wait to Let's play. See, uh, from every YouTube thing I've watched about Warhound Titans going up against other armies, they kind of seem to always lose horribly. Oh, it's ridiculous. They are god awful for their points. Like, very, very bad for their points. But you are just showing off like, hey, I had yeah. disposable income. Exactly. Oh, uh, uh, I cannot wait to build that. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, no, that's going to be super fun. I'm very excited to see that goofy thing come together. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. Warhound Titan is 100 power level, 50 wounds, 2 up armor safe. Jesus. That sounds good on paper, but for an entire army that doesn't have any kind of objective holding or deep strike or anything like that. I mean, granted, it is a heavy 20 strength 6 AP minus 2 2 damage weapon on one arm and a heavy 2d6 blast strength 9 AP minus 4 4 damage. Or you can supercharge it to make it strike 10 AP minus 4 5 damage. Yeah, no, like you're going to take a good chunk of your enemy's army with you. You're just not going to (laughs) win. Honestly, I think the Inferno gun is better than the Vulcan Megabolter. Well, good thing you're probably going to impulse purchase that at some point, too. Yeah, heavy 46, so it's only 14 shots on average. So it's six less shots, but it automatically hits. 
It's one higher strength, uh, which means you can do vehicles on fours instead of fives, like the Bolter. It's AP minus three instead of minus two, and it's three damage. The Inferno Cannon is better than the Vulcan Mega Bolter, and I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I mean... It, you just it's gotta... only 24-inch range, but you have a 20-inch movement. Yeah. Yeah, that's like half the board, because the, the official game size for 40K maps is smaller now, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 60 by 44. Well, there you go. A dumb list. One dumb list. One dumb model. One dumb list. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up for our uh, Scatterbrain Blood Bowl episode. With some occasional connectivity issues. Occasional connectivity issues. It's okay. I can edit those together-ish. Yeah, ish. But, you know, for if it sounds a little chunky and weird, we're telling you right now why. Yeah. At the end of the episode, after you've wondered all episode, why it sounded chunky and weird. Yeah, this is your relief going like, gosh, why did this sound so odd? You were not having a stroke, dear listener. We were. Our internet was. <laughs> oh, man. So, Andrew, give us some advice. Oh, beans. It's that time. Um, God Damn it, Andrew. You'd think I'd learn shit. Uh, uh, you had learned on the last episode, and I was so proud of you. Every year. I, every year. Every week. Every year. My God, every I'm tired. Every year. Every year I get stupider. <laughs> uh, advice. I've been chopping a bunch of veggies lately for food stuff. So if you want your cutting board to not go fucking wacky on you, place a nice, slightly damp paper towel underneath it. It'll keep it from sliding around. Yeah, I'm really happy you're doing kitchen stuff. And yeah, that's actually a really good tip. Uh, you want your cutting board to be very stable. So slightly damp paper towel or a uh, dry kitchen towel, anything like that. Also, uh, on the subject of cutting boards and knives, if your cutting board has gouges in it, either bleach it or throw it away because that's going to have mold in those spots. Yes, it's almost impossible to keep that clean otherwise. It is, it is. And you know what? I've got one piece of advice as well on the veggie chopping thing that I'm going to leave them on if you don't mind, Andrew. Uh, go for it. And that is a sharp knife is a safe knife. Keep your knives sharp and a falling knife has no handle. I'm full of these little fucking kitchen quips because that's been my life for the better part of a decade. Almost More like than a decade. Almost like two decades. <laughs> yeah, right? All right, everybody. So you heard it here first. Knife tips, cutting board tips. Have a good night, everyone. Goodbye. Dice like guys must be nice to play some games with your friends. Necromunda makes you wonder how friendships end. So flip that table if you're able and consult your charts and graphs. So let's have some fun and get it done. Or you can kiss my ass. Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under DiceLikeIcePodcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to William James for our outro music and Scarlet Saturn for letting us use their music at the intro to our show.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.